2024 is a year for more. God has got more for us. We are not living in the fullness of what God has for us. And God wants us to experience more of Him. He wants to increase our influence in our city. He wants to increase our influence as people of God. He wants to increase our impact. The way that we impact the city, the way that we impact people's lives. God wants to increase. Time together. So friends, we are continuing our series on increase in the book of Acts. Have you been reading the book of Acts in this last time? This little while, some of you are going, don't ask me, don't test me now. I really want to encourage you to spend time in God's Word together. And I want to just take this special moment to even welcome some of you that are watching us online. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Those of us that are in the room, make sure that you share and that you just spread out. I think these are some really helpful and encouraging messages. I really want to encourage you to engage with us on our websites as well as maybe visiting us in person on Sunday mornings and evenings in our two different locations. Friends, as we continue this series uh, and this, this journey, we're finding ourselves today in um, Acts chapter 4, as well as in your life group, you're going to be looking at a, a portion of Acts chapter 5. And as we've been looking at the book of Acts, I want you and I to see, first and foremost, it is a picture of what Christianity is supposed to look like for you and me. We're not just reading history. We're giving us, it's almost like the handbook, the blueprint. Whatever we see happens in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts with the believers, should be some of the things that we are walking in. And so many people I, I meet, and, and for much of my Christian life, I lived kind of, you know, doing the quiet time. Uh, Lord Jesus, speak to me. Uh, flip open, you know, and you read, and then sometimes it doesn't end well. Because you'll go, and you're like, please, Lord, speak to me. It's like, uh, and Judas went and hung himself. Oh, okay, no, no, it's not for me. Not for me, you know, and then you, you, you pick over and it's like, you know, what you've been instructed to do, do so likewise. It's like, ooh, it's like, I don't want to do that. So, so many times we interact with the word and it, we almost see it as a distant thing somewhere out there that doesn't really apply to me. But when we read, especially the, the New Testament, friends, it is there to give us guidelines, give us guidance, give, give us also a picture into what New Testament Christianity is all about. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And I want to encourage you and, my, and I, friends, this is, this is so important, that we spend copious amounts of time in God's Word, that we don't just read it as a suggestion, but we actually embrace it as our true reality. And so today we're speaking about unity, unity in the church. We're going to be looking at this in Acts chapter 4, like I said. But last time I checked, I don't know, about you, but if, if I turn on the news, if I check a newspaper, if I chat to some people, if you go to your workplace, maybe even if you think of some of your family members and family gatherings, often our experience is that there isn't a lot of unity in the world. Am I right? There's conflict happening. There's reasons for us to, to have strife. Even some of us in our marriage on the way in the car this morning, you're like, oh, we're not so unified, you know. That's why uh, my wife and I come to church in two different cars, and we, we, then we, 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 we solve that problem. We don't have to fight on the way to church. <laughs> but, but we experience in this world, we all experience uh, and see disunity at various levels of intensity. And 
so many people, you know, when they, when they go for the, the Miss World or Miss Universe pageants, you know, what is the, the number one thing the ladies, when they ask the ladies, you know, what, what do you want to see in the world? What do you want to bring? It's like, world peace. I just want to bring world peace, you know. Every year it's like world peace. It's like, it almost feels like a pipe dream. It almost feels to us like it's impossible to walk in unity. Yet, as we look at the New Testament, we see a group of very diverse people from various socioeconomic backgrounds, from various cultures, tribes, languages, and cultures coming together and being united together. We see something that seems to be impossible actually possible. And I believe that for us, even in this season as a church, God is wanting to speak to us. He wants us to increase. He's, last week we spoke about increasing and sharing our faith and being bold. Previous week we talked about being increasing in, in, in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want to increase in all that God has for us. But for if we want to see God actually do what He has promised us, now, friends, if you, if you were paying some att attention to some of the prophetic words and some of the contributions that have been coming from you, not from me, these guys didn't know my notes. They, some of them didn't even know what we were preaching on today. The theme that the Holy Spirit has been highlighting to us today has been the theme of unity. And if we want to see God truly transform our city and truly use us as a community to impact and disciple the nations, then it's going to require some unity together. So maybe we can um, turn together to Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to read for us from verse 32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and, not one, uh, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. And then it continues to begin to speak about how they express that, you know. It says that there were no needy amongst them, you know, because people were sharing, they were selling their, their, their land, and they were, they were distributing what they had amongst one another. And then we see in, in chapter 5, you know, which is something you're going to look at in your life group this week, um, something really crazy happens. Some people see Barnabas at the end of chapter 4. Barnabas sells this piece of land, and he brings it to the apostles. Then this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they see the same thing, and they almost, I think, I'm sure they looked at it and compared themselves. They say, John, look at this Barnabas. He, he's being promoted. He's being celebrated. Look at such a godly guy. Look how generous he is. So they go and they do the same. They also sell a piece of land, but they hold back some of the, the funds. And they also bring it to the church to show, yes, look at how amazing we are. We're also generous, you know. And then they do that, and then they get struck dead by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you guys, but can you imagine that happening here today? Someone coming forward, sharing very nicely what they feel they want to bring. Their motivation is wrong, but God judges them and they get struck dead. Not only does the husband get struck dead, but the wife as well. This is intense things, friends. The Bible shows us something of what happens in our hearts. And I think the very first thing, when, when we see this view, the beautiful reality of a united church, having all things in common, caring for one another, distributing what they have as people have need, 
the minute someone tries to utilize that great gift for their own benefit, what happens? Disunity occurs. And then God doesn't like that. Whenever you and I, and I mean, I've been guilty of this, whenever I have in my heart's attitude, in my approach to things, when I begin to step into the comparison trap, when I look for ways to lift myself up and push others down, God's judgment is against me. Now, many of you are looking at me, Gareth, like, whoa, Gareth, judgment. You, you never talk about judgment in this church. You know, this is serious things, friends. God is committed to seeing unity in his body. And it take, he takes it very, very seriously that you and I would not mess with the unity that he's building. And I've seen this in my life. God corrects me. I've seen it in the lives of others that would come in seeking their own platforms, their own um, you know, opportunities, and God has a way of dealing with them. And I've, I pray for us as a community that we would contend, as Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, contend for the unity of the Spirit. You and I have a responsibility. Unity doesn't happen just because one or two people decided, hey guys, we should get together, right? Eh? We've, we've seen this in the world. Politicians get up and they say, we must be a united church, a united country. We must bring everybody together. We must bring everybody together. But then we fail because every person needs to commit to the process of building unity. One or two people from the pulpit or from the platform isn't going to be able to make that happen. So as a starting point, friend, I want you and I to see that we have a significant role to play in contending for the unity that God would bring for us. I love what John Stott says. He says, the church is like a body and unity is its lifeblood. Without unity, the body cannot function effectively. It is what keeps us healthy. It keeps the life of God flowing when we are united with one another. And I'm trusting that God will help us to experience that. Today we're going to be seeing, in the first part we see, Verse um, 32, it says that when the disciples, or the full number of the disciples, who believed, were of one heart and one soul. Friends, when they say the full number, it means everybody. And I've experienced in the New Testament, or the, in the current modern church, that if I had to call an all-church meeting, some of you wouldn't come. Some of us would just be busy. Why should I be there? Ach, the other people are going to be there. I'll find out what's going to happen. I'll find out. I'll, I'll check the Facebook post. I'll check online. But when we see the New Testament friends, they were so united that when the church was called together, they could actually say the full number were gathered together. But then it also says that they were of one heart and one mind. And that means that what they believed about themselves, what they believed about the community that they were a part of, was based upon what God has said about them, not about their differences or their, their preferences. Because if I had to go around this room, we have a very diverse crowd here this morning. If I had to go around this room, I could probably, if I asked you, what type of church do you want? Or what sort of things do you think we should be, be, be pursuing? And what should we be building as a church? I'm sure we'll get lots of different answers. 
But it's when we are coming together regularly, we submit ourselves to the biblical standard of what the, the New Testament speaks about, and we prioritize the things that the Bible says we should um, prioritize. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we, we, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings, the proclamation of God's word, to breaking of bread like we did today, communion and fellowship with one another, to prayer, Tuesday night prayer in your, in your community. If you're part of a life group, you can join us once a month. If you're not part of a life group, come anyway at 6.30 on a Tuesday morning, evening. Come and pray and worship with us. They also came together and fellowshiped with one another, and they met from house to house and temple courts. They were united in what they were looking at. And today we're going to be looking at three aspects that help us to build unity. They were united in vision, united in values, and united in vocation. Now, some of you are going, vacation. Vocation is what you do. It's your job, okay? It's how you, it's, it's the activation of that, okay? So we're going to look at vision, we're going to look at values, and we're going to look at vocation, or what we do, how do we express that unity? Because it takes something from all of us to be able to do that. Now, friends, first of all, you and I need to have the same vision, else we would never be united. Amos chapter 3, uh, verse 3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? It's impossible unless we've agreed that we would be able to be unified. And it's amazing for me to see that unity is formed within a local church when we are united about the big picture. Now, there's lots of different things that we could give ourselves to. Some of us, you walk into this church and you're like, I've got a vision and a heart for, for worship. Worship is my thing. That's the thing that you, you cut me, I bleed worship. Someone else would say, no, it's women's ministry. Someone else would say, no, the poor, I want to I get to the orphans and the widows. I want to get to those people. Others would say, I want men, 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 men's ministry. That's the thing I want to look at. And often we step into the church and we feel the church has got a vision and I've got a vision. And then we struggle to tuck into the bigger picture because we, we're comparing again. We're saying, which one is going to get profile? So we get upset, we get frustrated. Because, you know, there's no announcements that ever get made about the men's ministry that happens around here. There's no, there's no announcements that get made for the thing that I have a vision for. But when you and I realize, as, as we see in the New Testament especially, that the disciples were united in one vision, which was basically to preach the gospel, to see the kingdom of God advance. That was their vision. And the varied expressions of that vision was different. It was diverse. It should be diverse. But when we take the vision, the passion, the desire God has given me, and I don't say, well, I've got to let that go in order to take hold of the church's vision. I'm No, this thing must die because this, this is more important. No, no. When I take what God's placed within me, and instead of it pointing five or 20 different directions, we all point in the same direction. Because God has given us one ministry. Many of us will say, my ministry is worship. It's my ministry is the poor. My ministry is teaching. My ministry. Can I inform you that there's only one ministry in the, in the Bible? Only one. The ministry of reconciliation. I tell this joke or the story many times, but I'll tell it to you again. So many years ago, a, a, a pastor phones me up. He's like, hey, I've checked you guys. Your worship is quite good. Can you... 
can you help us as a church with our, ministry, with our worship ministry? And I was overseeing the worship at the time and coordinating it. So I was like, cool, let's have a coffee. Let's get together. Let's talk. So I sit down with this man. And, and as we sit down, his phone never stops ringing. Not for a minute. It stops like, let me start the phone and then, hello, yes, yes. So I was, like, I was getting a little bit annoyed. I'm sorry, like I've taken out the time and I can't have a conversation. And so I said to him, yes, you look like a really busy man. And he says, yes, no, I'm, I, I'm, I am quite busy. Because I have the ministry of results. So I was like, the ministry of results? I've never heard of that. What is that? He says, no. People have got issues or problems, finances, breakthrough. They need, they need health or healing. You know, I, they phone me. I pray for them over the phone. Results, he says. Like, okay. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I've never heard of that. I said to him, I've heard about the ministry of reconciliation which means all of us have been called to reconcile man to God and man to one another. And so if your passion is worship and your ministry is worship, can I ask you to adjust? Instead of it pointing towards more songs, more encounters, but rather towards reconciling people to God and reconciling the church to one another, can we seek that as our vision? That as our ministry, as we use the gifts God's given us in all of his various forms, pointed towards reconciliation, people knowing God, encountering him, coming to love him and love one another in greater measure. For us as a local church, our vision is broad. It's big. It's, it's, it can't be done. It's, this is not my vision. I want to just tell you. It's also not the eldership team's vision. This is our vision. If City on Hill Churches, this is where you're plugged in, you've planted, you've rooted, you've got good, healthy roots going down, you've got not dry leaves, but you've got some fruit growing, then this is the vision. We want to see our city transform and actually cities transform and nations discipled. And we do that as each of us plays our various parts for God's glory. And we see this so beautifully outworked for the the early church, how on earth could they have had all things in common? There would be no needy amongst them if they were not united with one another in heart and mind. And for us, friends, I've seen how God has used this church to take care of the needy, to take care of, of, of those who are in need, of spiritual, emotional, physical gaps that need to be filled. I've also seen this church be used by God to step into a lot of different places and varied gifts and varied people coming through our ranks saying, I feel like God's called me to, to take care of this particular need. And as each of us in your workplace, in your family, in the places you go, as each of us are, are yielding ourselves wholeheartedly, Lord, use me to reconcile man to God and man to one another. We see that's, that's when a city is transformed. That's when a nation begins to be discipled. Because, friends, there's something that happens that multiplies. When it's, the Bible says that one will put a thousand to flight, two will do ten thousand. There's a multiplication. There's a synergy that happens when we are all united together behind one vision. And I want to ask you, I want to ask you to look at your life. Don't think that someone else is more important or more significant. Don't even think that I'm, because I get to stand on this stage regularly, 
it's the greatest privilege of my life to be able to minister to you. Honestly, it is. But I don't want you to ever think, just because I'm on this platform, that I'm of greater value than you are. In actual fact, I think many of you are more effective out there than I would be. And so I'm trusting that we would be united around that vision. Because when we have a united vision, it empowers us to fulfill God's purposes. When I, I don't look at, at the, 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 the differences that we have between one another, but I rather look at the opportunities that we have to be able to make a difference together, uh, we begin to see God unfold so many things. So that's, that's vision, friends. Uh, maybe the next one is, is we want to look at, uh, at our values. Our values should be shaped by Scripture. You know, many couples, I, I experienced this as a, as, a, as a young man. I had this vision to get married to Ainsley. And we were going to have this wonderful life together, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And then I buy into the vision, and now we are in it together. But very quickly I realized that I value some very different things than what she values. I value certain aspects. Maybe some of the husbands and wives are... You know, I don't know what your things are. You know, one's late, one's on time. One likes, is thinking about the next meal. Another one is like, are you, why are you talking about food again? One, one is like, where's the budget? What's this random sense? Every, everything in its place. Others are like, we'll trust the Lord. When you have those things that we often see as a, as a division, the dividing factor, it's just because... We're clashing in what we value. And I see this in the church all the time, friends. Someone comes into the life of the church, they love the vision, but they don't value the same things that we value as a church. One of the key things we value is we, we value the local church. All of the guys that are coming to the summit are connected, committed, and submitted in a local church. I would go as far as to say we would probably never invite someone to minister from this platform if they're not connected to a local church. Why is that a value? Why is that so important? Because when I look at the scriptures, that's what I see. I see men and women connected, committed to a local church, and from that place, making a difference in the world. Other things we might value is, you know, we, we value gathering together. We gather. We value Sunday expressions. We value, you know, gathering together in home groups, gathering together for outreaches, gathering for courses and opportunities. There is something that happens when we're in the room. And therefore, I want to encourage you, friends, to begin to value. If You might love the vision of the church, but you might not quite be valuing the same things. Can I ask us to value the local church and the gatherings that we come together for. Can I ask you also to value with us to grow? We value, I value the fact that you would grow when you're in this place. I want to see you grow. But many times I find that we don't access the opportunities that there are to grow and therefore we're not united together and we miss out on some of the bigger things that God wants to lead us into. How do we grow, friends? We grow when we are in one another's lives. You know, I'm, I'm probably a much better person because I married Ainsley. She helps, she's helped me tremendously. Tremendously with a lot of things. Some things, at first when she told me, I was like, you must be crazy, man. Why, why is this a problem? 
But somewhere along the line, I was confronted with what I valued, and I realized that some of the things I valued was of less value than the things that maybe she valued. And I could make the adjustment. I could say, I'm going to make the adjustment. I'm going to let go of that value in order to embrace a new value. And so many of us, so many of us are still stagnant in your walk with God because you've failed. You've failed to value the things that the Bible values. And God wants you and I to, to grow together. He wants us to grow in our relationship with Him. He wants us to grow in our relationship with one another. He wants us to find freedom, friends. Find freedom from the things that hold us back. Find freedom from the things that, that would, would, would keep us from experiencing more of what God has for us. Another aspect that we value, friends, is that we value going. As you heard about our, our Mozambique outreaches happening uh, now towards the end of March, 21st of March, you guys are going out again. And I want to encourage you, friends, we don't, want, we don't just go far away. You know, we, we want to go locally to our areas around here, some of the, the different, you know, we, we're ministering into um, orphanages and, and schools, and we're going into workplaces, and we, we, we're ministering into even locally, you know, people are coming and they use our building during the week, conferences for, for sometimes the, the, the government departments use our, our places or other organizations. But when people come into this space, they are being ministered to because we're reaching out to them. We're making what we have available so that they might encounter God. But we also want to go translocally. So in other words, we go across, across maybe a border or a river. Some of us, that means it's like Falun Skruen, or you, you might go up to Mafeking, or Tosca and Bray, somewhere close by, or maybe far away. Next weekend, I'm going to be in Durban, uh, ministering to uh, a church there called Grace Life. I want to ask you to be praying. Many of the times, uh, Murdoch goes out to uh, many churches every week. I'm like, just praise the Lord for gifts like Murdoch and Romke and others that are going into places all the time, ministering into churches, because God uses us. And wants us to go not just from here or just down to our neighbors, but he also wants us to go, here's a new word for you. Translocal is like here in South Africa, but then maybe transglobal. How about that? Transglobal. Trans is a lacquer word these days. <laughs> Some of you got it. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Transglobal. Going to the Netherlands, going to Australia, going to Zambia, going... going to America. You know, the Americans, they need Jesus. A lot. But not as much as we do. Everybody needs Jesus equally. When we are far from God, there's no levels in God. You're either in it or you're not. And God wants us to unite with one another. We want to be then united around the value, the things that Jesus values. You know, friends, when the New Testament church, here in the book of Acts, when they saw this increase of disciples being added, they, they, they went from 120 in, in an upper room to 3,000 added in one day. And then more, it says day by day, people were being added all the time. That, I don't know about you, you know, some of you have had babies, but the minute a baby arrives, life is demagogue. Things just don't work. Your schedules are out of whack. It's difficult. Some of us in our church, you've had the privilege of having twins. It's like double the amount of disruption. 
And so when the, when the early church had this increase of numbers, they went to what, they, what many would call the default setting. They valued the things Jesus valued. Jesus gathered together and he went into the temple courts to preach the gospel and the kingdom. He also met in people's houses. And then it also says he went to the countrysides and the villages and the places surrounding Galilee and the different places he was. So we see Jesus having his temple court moment, like what we're having, a house-to-house moment in your life group, as well as out there into the countrysides and wherever God would, would send us. So we value the same things Jesus values. We'll then also see the transformation that Jesus would want to bring. Thirdly, friends, we want to talk about our vocation. Practically, what do we do and how do we live this particular aspect of unity? It really is tied to mission. So many times we have a good vision and we've got great values, but we forget about the mission. We forget about why do we have all of these things. For many churches and organizations, you know, you've been to those businesses. They've got their vision and values there as you walk in. And you read them and you're like, that would be great if what's there was being outworked here. If those people were living what they say on the board. And many people look at the New Testament, they read this and then they look at you and me, and they go, it would be great if what I saw here was expressed here. And friends, our mission as a church, and this should be our mission as individuals, is we want to see people that are far from God become the light of Christ. We, ex- we exist for the benefit of others, those who don't yet know. We're not just looking for a, a ticket to heaven, but we're looking for an opportunity to engage with others. I love what John Piper says. He says, mission exists because worship does not. Mission and many of the times we think missions, oh yeah, that's those guys that three months of the year they go out or they go out somewhere far away. But every single moment of the day, friends, you and I encounter people, that's our mission field. Your family at the moment is your mission field. Your workplace, that's the mission field. And our job and reality is that we should look for opportunities then to have our vision and our values outworked in such a way that the mission is accomplished of reaching those who are far from God. And that means that you, you and I should buy into that mission. Like I said, we can't just be spectators. We can't just look and go, that's very, very nice, Gareth. That's very nice. I like, I like these things. These are really good. No, friends, we should be embodying these things. This should be a reality in all of our lives. And so practically, how can you and I increase in unity? Firstly, friends, we need to see, as we see with the New Testament church, that they were of one heart and one soul. Practically for us as a church, in the beginning of April, we're going to launch what we call our growth track, which is a powerful and exciting pathway of helping all of us have this one heart, one mind, one voice reality. Towards the, the, the middle of last year, we received just very clear words from the Lord, speaking about us uniting together, becoming very clear around what we value and what we are wanting to see and accomplish within our community. We see that they have, were of one heart, one voice, because their mission was clear for them. Seek and save the lost, because Jesus valued that. 
the, the apostles continue to speak about their testimony of what they had experienced with Jesus. You and I, we proclaim the testimony of our encounters with God, not other people's encounters, our encounters with God, as God speaks to us. I love what it is in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, he says, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their f- uh, flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel speaking, friends, about God wanting to give us that heart. And if you are in some way struggling to feel like, yes, I'm united with what's happening and what God is doing with me and with us, then ask God to help you. Ask God to help you to make that adjustment, to come into the more of what He has for you and us. Secondly, friends, if you and I, practically speaking, so allow the Holy Spirit to give you, firstly, that unity to help us to be united with Him and with one another. Secondly, that we should realize that everything we say and do is about Christ being at the center. Too often, we forget, we get distracted by many things, many good things, you know. I, I, I've, I'm one of those task-orientated people, so I can be very much focused. I remember one of my first jobs I had to do in the church was I, had, I made coffee, and I greeted people at the door. And honestly, until the coffee was ready and I had all of that stuff sorted, I didn't see or hear or think of any other person. I was on a mission. I had a vision. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm distracted. Maybe if I use this particular platform as an opportunity to accomplish the vision, other people reaching out, integrating, including people, that might be helpful. But actually, more than that, the vision is not the coffee, and it's not that, are you happy? Did I serve you well? Are you, are, did, are you feel like this is a good, is the coffee good? Is it hot enough? Is there biscuits for you? More than that, actually, did you encounter Jesus when you've been here? Did you, do you walk away thirsty for more of Him? Or do you walk away going, yes, sir, these guys, this, I'm impressed, eh? Yo, I'm impressed. But rather, friends, you and I, when we have Jesus at the center, and this is what the disciples, they held dear to this reality. Jesus was the only message, the only thing, the only reason why they gathered together. And they wanted to know him more, and they wanted to express his message and his purpose and plan in their lives. And so if we want to be united, we need to be united around that reality, practically. Thirdly, friends, this is a practical thing, is that we should live by grace. Because it says in, in, in verse 33, um, it says that, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony of, to the re- resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Remember I spoke to you about the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling man to God and man to one another. When God builds his church. He does it with shouts of grace, grace. Grace that we receive from God and grace that we extend to one another. Unity happens practically when you and I are willing to receive grace from God. Because some of you, you're looking at your life and going, yes, I haven't. You know, it's, it's now the 25th of February 
and my reading plan is out the door. My eating plan is out the door. My eating plan has become more like eating, and then I plan maybe to not eat at some place. <laughs> Where before I was like I was planning not to eat. <laughs> so many of us have, maybe at this point of, of the year, you feel like I've, I've failed. I haven't, I've, I haven't met, I've missed the mark. Can you and I receive again grace from God to empower you? Not to continue in our bad behavior and our sin, and our, and our, but actually to say, Lord, empower me by your grace that I may walk in the fullness of what you have for me. Every single morning, I come together, Lord. I want to hear from you, Holy Spirit. Empower me. Every single week when I come together in my life group, Lord, empower me. Re- let me receive your grace. When I come together, together with God's people, let me receive your grace, but also help me, Lord, then to extend grace. When someone has harmed you or wronged you, treated you badly, gave you a bit of a skiff, you know, check you there, mm. no, they never greeted me, eh? I asked them to help me with this thing, and then they, they didn't. I, I, I went into business with this person. We, I paid deposits on work they were going to do, but now they've disappeared. They're just not answering my phone calls. Can we extend grace to one another? Not letting one another off the hook to continue to sin, but actually saying, how can we draw one another near? That we would extend the very grace that God extended to us to one another. That's what brings true unity as we see from the scriptures. And so just to recap again, friends, God wants us to to grow in our unity as we are united around the vision that he has. Realizing that my vision should be pointed towards his vision. And ultimately, we've, we've given us the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling God to man and man to God. Secondly, friends, we want to build our lives around the values that we hold dear, as well as something of the practical outworking of that, so that if we do this, as we do that, we will see God actually... <laughs> unpack and and empower us to see the impossible happening within our midst. Because for the the early church, friends, it was impossible for a diverse community like this to express uh, things in this way. That's why people came. That's why people were drawn to them. Because they looked and they said, what you are experiencing is impossible out there, and so therefore God must be in your midst. God must be doing something supernatural in your midst. And lastly, friends, we need to be praying. We need to be asking God, Lord, I want to receive your grace and I want to extend your grace to others in an, in, in an increasing measure. Shall we stand together as the music team comes up? I want to just pray for us. The, the first group of people I want to pray for is that some of you may have arrived here today and you know we're talking about unity and unity of vision and the gospel and the kingdom and, and part of the, being part of a community, gathering, growing, and going together. But you know that you're not united with God. You're not connected. You're disconnected. You're not unified with Him. And, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to say, Lord, I want to become one with you. I want to be united with you today, maybe for the first time, maybe as a recommitment. And so as we just close our eyes together, I want to ask those of you that perhaps are in that place, you're saying, Lord, I want to come near. I want to know you more. I want to experience you. I want to be united with you. 
I want to encourage you to just, just by way of, of indication, I think it's more for you than for me or for anyone in this room, but just to raise your hand for me as I, as I pray for you. If, you. if that's you today, you want to be united with Jesus, maybe reunited with Him, to put your faith and trust in Jesus today. If that's you, you can quickly raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you for those hands that are going up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that there's these recommitments and commitments happening to you, Lord. Lord, I pray for these beautiful people, that they would have an encounter with you right now. Lord, that they would experience your love and grace being poured out upon them, being united again with you, being united in fullness with, with your plans and purposes, Lord, no longer being removed from you. I want to pray then for the rest of us as a family that we would be so enamored with Jesus, so in love with his purpose and plans that we would do our very best to ensure and contend for the unity of the Spirit amongst us. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and empower us, Lord. I want to pray for those, perhaps some of our relationships we know have been broken down and and we need to make, make things right, Lord. I pray for courage and boldness to do so. I pray, Father, for some of us, perhaps, that have remained on the outside, on the fringes, and we haven't been brought in, that, Lord, we would take a bold step today to say, I'm coming in. I want to be a part of this great call that you have placed with, upon my life. Lord, I want to pray for us to be united as a church, Lord that we would see your fruitfulness, your favor and your power and your presence outworked in our lives in increasing measure. I pray that you'd empower us, Holy Spirit. And so friends, just even as we, we're praying, if, if you made that decision today to put your faith in Jesus, you're now united with God, but God also wants you to be united with his family. And I'm going to ask you to come to the front, that we would be able to help you come into the fullness of what God has for us. So if you have committed or recommitted your life, can I ask you to come to the front? We'd love to just be able to have a moment to connect with you. We've got a team of guys that are ready and willing to, to minister to you. If that's you today, please make yourself to the uh, way to the front. Let's encourage them. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. We're not going to put, put you on the spot or or make any, you know, make it difficult for you. We just really want to make sure you get the best start as you're part of the family. Thank you so much, guys, for taking this time, for taking this bold step. So I'm going to ask the Billy, maybe you guys can take the guys through to that side, maybe minister through to them with them. Um, Murdoch, you guys, thanks so much. Um, and then for the rest of us, maybe we could just respond, just with the chorus together, saying, Lord, come and unite us in your presence and your power. In Jesus' name.